0: Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on here. This is a, it's a weird little passage, and, uh, and I'm convinced it's misunderstood quite often. Uh, but here's the situation. Jacob has, uh, he is fleeing because he's afraid for his life. He has just uh, scammed his dad, and he has uh, cheated his brother who was a pretty tough guy and is ticked about it, and so he wants to kill him. He's only loved by his mother. Guys, you know how that goes. Uh, And so he comes to this place, and essentially the King James calls it a dreadful place. Well, let me just tell you, if you lay down at night and you're tired and all you got is a rock for a pillow... You're in a bad place. I dare say most of us have not done that. There may be some that have spent a night or two in a car, but you're not sleeping outside in a rock wearing, you know, covering up with just whatever you got on, and you're afraid for your life. You're kind of sleeping with one eye open because you don't know if Esau, your brother, who has just been cheated by you, is going to sneak up on you and end your life. Uh, so uh, he's in a bad way. In a bad place. And so he has this crazy dream. I don't think it's because he had eaten anything. I think this is really God's spirit moving. And in the dream, you've got this staircase. Uh, It really is a staircase, not a ladder. But, I mean, the songs are great. Uh, And so he's got a ladder. It's coming down from heaven. And it's, its base is on the earth. And on the ladder, you've got angels ascending and descending. And then, all of a sudden, God shows up. And he starts speaking, and the way he talks is, God's not at the top of the ladder. In Hebrew, it says God is right there over Jacob, kind of in his face. And what God tells him is, look, I was a father, uh, I mean, I was a, a God to Abraham and your father Isaac. And, and he really, he goes over the covenantal promises that he has made to Abraham and to Isaac. And he tells them again to Jacob, who has heard them before But Jacob really wasn't a particularly godly man. Even at this point, you understand, Jacob's not, I mean, he's in a bad way, but you don't see him being broken. You don't see him crying out to God. You don't see him saying, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope, and so I'm trusting you. You don't see any of that in him. You don't see this virtuous man who's repentant of his sin. None of that is present in Jacob's life. And God comes to him and says, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do this because it's incumbent in my name, the, the relationship that I have with my people. If you had been godly and been attending the course I do on Wednesday nights, you would know that as in the name of Yahweh, it, the emphasis, I know if you really love Jesus, you would be there, and there's still time to repent and show up as we, uh, we'll be talking about the immensity of God coming up. Now, if that doesn't send chills down your spine, what would? And so <clears throat> uh, God shows up, and he talks to, uh, to Jacob and tells him these things. But you understand what's going on here is all God. And then Jacob wakes up and says, Man, God was here, and I didn't even know it. Duh. And then he... Uh, he says, well, look, I'm going to pour a little oil on this rock, and I'm going to set this up, and this is, the, this is the gate of heaven, and this is the house of God. Now, let me just you all right, y- y'all are so lucky to have been here today. Well, fortunate, we don't believe in luck. You are going to get a lesson in hermeneutics right here, and it comes free. Um, you don't ever take narrative scripture and base it as truth. It may illustrate truth, but what you get here is you've got Jacob who is an ungodly man, uh, and he says this is what he's going to do. Now, when he says this is the house of God, you understand he's not speaking for God. That's just the way he sees things. It's not the house of God. He names that rock that, and he names that place that, but it's not the house of God. Jacob got it wrong. He makes this deal with God later on. says, God, if you'll do all these things, then I'll be, uh, you know, I'm yours. I'll worship you, and I'll even give you a tenth. Now, there is not a preacher in America who hadn't heard somebody come up to him on some Sunday after Lotto has been drawn and says, man, preacher, if I ever win that, I am going to give a tenth of it. We'll build that building. And so Jacob's just trying to make a deal with God. He's not saying, I love you. He says, God, if you do this for me, I will love you. That's not loving God. That's loving yourself. That is just an affirmation of the fact that Jacob is one sinful man, a narcissist who's self-absorbed, who is just sinful through and through. Now, I can really identify with Jacob and uh You will never see a more dysfunctional family in the world than what you see in Jacob. I mean, if you keep reading, and hopefully you will, you'll see all these horrible things that he does. You talk about what an idiot. I mean, this guy messes up coming and going. And he, uh, you know, and you think, why then does God? Pour out his grace on Jacob. And maybe even a better question is, why does he pour out his grace on you? Why does he pour out his grace on me? And we're no better than Jacob. But look at all these things that's going on here. Let me just, uh, a a few points that are are worth thinking about. Jacob has, uh, you know, in many ways hit rock bottom. He's lost all his friends. He doesn't have any. He was kind of a mama's boy anyway, and so she's the only one who ever loved him. And then he, he doesn't have any money, he doesn't have any property, he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have any, anything, and he is totally exposed. And when you get into a place where you feel like, you know, there's nothing going right. I'm trying to scheme my way through. You know, what? you go to bed at night, and if you're using a rock as a pillow, you know what's going on in his mind? He's thinking, man, I've got to work harder. I've got to be smarter. I'm not sure I'm up to this. I'm whipped. I'm, I'm running scared. And he's just, you know, then he may try to make a deal with God, but you don't ever hear that going on. But he's just in a bad, bad place. And he thinks that heaven really is closed to him, that there is no open gate. Uh, Uh, It wasn't even that new of a concept to people at that point. He is not seeking God. He's running for his life. And God does not come to him because Jacob is crying out for help. He never does that. So he's really in kind of a bad spot. Everybody here has probably had some kind of friend who battles with some sort of addiction and somewhere along the way, you've been involved in a conversation that says, well, if he'll just hit rock bottom and find out that he really needs help, then that's the beginning. Well, Jacob isn't there. He had not hit rock bottom. and He hasn't in one sense. We might look at it and say, man, if I was in that situation, I'd be crying to God for help. Jacob's not there yet. He's still got a lot of fight in him. And thinks that he can solve his issues just by scheming, working harder, doing all things he's always done now he has this dream and in the dream now you know we've we've seen all the movies of where somebody comes, you know dies early and they an angel comes and does whatever and and these angels are really kind of nice guys well in scripture the first thing angels say is fear not what do you think uh, an angel saying fear not because when an angel shows up they you know know they're angels you know it's not Gregory Peck or somebody like that who's just kinda cool and debonair and and has this cool accent and great voice or anything you know it's an angel and you know you're in trouble and you are afraid and all the angels the first things they're saying fear not you know since God sent me so uh, you're okay And. The the whole word for angel means it's a herald. It's someone who uh, it it the idea denotes majesty. It denotes um, kind of this royal majesty, and they're a, a messenger from God. They're royal heralds and attendants that they flow out into the world and they execute the declarations and decrees of God, the king. So they are, you know, they mean business, and they do what God calls them to do. There's no negotiating. There's no making a deal with an angel. There's no thing where an angel just kind of blinks and messes up. Uh, You're not an angel very long if that happens. You do the will of God of the king. And that is it. And so in this dream that Jacob has, he's got angels coming down from heaven on this staircase and going up and down. And what is happening is it's a picture of God's power flowing out into the world. There is so much that is going on behind the scenes that you and I do not see. There is a spiritual warfare that's happening. There is this spiritual drama that's going on. And it doesn't include your life specifically. I mean, it does specifically, but not exclusively. It's unbelievable the number of things that God has going on. But you remember um, in the movie uh, Forrest Gump when... Uh, Captain Dan is on the boat and he's screaming out at God and then this storm hits and what is it that Forrest Gump says he goes and then God showed up and so in this dream uh, that uh, Jacob is in the middle of heaven and he sees the angels coming and going down this staircase it's bizarre to him it's frightening to him so much so that he, he even is referred to this as a dreadful place. Then God shows up. And the way it reads is that God is not standing at the top of the stairs. But the God is standing right on the ground looking down at Jacob. That's a pretty vulnerable place to be in when God is standing over you and God is talking. And the things that God says are really incredible. Because he's saying, you know, I'm the God of of Abraham and Isaac. And he he goes over this this, um, covenantal promise that he has made in Genesis 15. You know, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants uh, the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All people uh, will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And I will bring you back to the land. I will, give you, uh, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Talk about meeting someone right where they need Right where they hurt. God makes these promises. Which, I mean, he, he, I guess he just restates them again because they've been made years before to his grandfather, Abraham. And so he's reminded of that again. So God shows up and God says, I'm going to bless you. Now, where does it ever say, I'm going to bless you if you obey me? It doesn't. Why is God blessing I don't know. Because it's inherent in God's name. Because there are some things that God cannot do. And one big thing that God cannot do is God cannot lie. And God has made a promise to Abraham and to Isaac. And so part of that promise is working this out with Jacob. Even though Jacob is friendless, uh, god is saying i'm going to be with you how great is that we've all had those lonely times in our life and somehow or other some friend shows up and says man i'm i'm here don't worry we'll get through this together that's a great thing when a friend does it but when god does it whoa He's utterly defenseless. I mean, if you're lying down in the middle of the desert with your head on a rock and you have no weapons, you have no lookouts, you are just all alone. Um, think about that. And often, you know, I've watched westerns on television. You see these cowboys riding off into the the west, and or people on wagon trains, and and uh, and I thought, man, if you know, I think I I wouldn't have made it past Kansas City. I would have been killed somewhere along the way by some hostile or some bear or something like that. I don't think I would have made it and it would have been a difficult thing. But uh, Jacob is utterly defenseless. And what is it that God says is that I'm going to watch over you? That makes a difference. Well, he's penniless. He doesn't have an inheritance. He's just deceived his father. His father never wants to see him again. Is he'll never be able to see his mother again. He has no inheritance. He has no business, no visible means of support. He is as broke as the Ten Commandments, and that is broke. And so uh, what is it that God says? I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to give you all this land. And as far as, you know, all the way to the east, the west, the north, the south, the whole world, is, in fact, is going to be blessed by you or through you. Unbelievable promise there in that. That should put spring in a step. And then Jacob wakes up, and what does he say? He says, "God was here, and I didn't even know it." Well, he should have taken my Wednesday night class when we talk about the immensity of God and His transcendent nature, and the fact that that there is no place where God is not. Even you know, I, I hear people. Uh, I've been ruined for these things. I'm sorry to say, you know, when someone stands up and say we're asking to move uh, for God to to meet us here, let me just tell you, God's here already. We may be showing up to meet Him, but He's here. Uh, He is so much greater than you can comprehend, which is a very comforting thing to me because I want a God who's a lot smarter than I am. He's greater than that. And, um, one of the things that's interesting, um, I had a friend who, whose wife just passed away a few months ago, and at the end, he had made a promise that he was really going to do all he could to protect her and to keep her uh, out of pain and all that, and, and he was, uh, I was with him the day after she had passed away, and, you know, he was really torn up about I think I failed in this promise to her. It, you know, she was struggling for breath and and I just felt horrible those last few hours. And I I did recall this passage in 2 Kings 6 uh of um and I said there's look you only knew what you saw. But you didn't see what God was doing. You didn't see the angels that were around her. You didn't see the comfort That God was working inside her heart and soul. And you can take comfort in the fact that God is a great, compassionate, loving God. And he has poured out his grace upon your dear wife. And what you thought you saw uh, wasn't completely accurate. And there was so much going on behind the scenes. Okay, so Elisha is a prophet in, in 2 Kings 6. And the bad guys have got him all surrounded and everything. And he's got this servant who's about to panic. And, he's, and, and Elisha, one of the cooler guys in Scripture, by the way, he is not flustered in the least. I mean, he's cooler than John Wayne. It was unbelievable how cool he is when the bad guys are about to attack. And, and so his servant says, why are you not panicking? And what does Elisha do? He prays. It says, Lord, would you open his eyes just for a little bit? And he opens his eyes. The Lord does do that. And the servant looks around the hills, and he sees the army of the Lord. Fierce. Numerous. And you know, you know the enemy doesn't stand a chance. And the servant, now this is, Kind of a, a a little bit of a paraphrase. Looks at Elisha and says, "Perhaps I spoke a little hastily." <laughs> and what happens there is the army of the Lord blinds the bad guys and leads them to the wrong place. And so the king in this other place uh, is speaking to Elisha and says, "You want me to kill them all?" And Elisha says, "No." Don't kill them. Go ahead and feed them. And the king throws a feast for the army that has just been blinded. He gives them food and water and sends them on their way. And um, their lives are spared. Jacob only saw a little bit. And then he, he looks around and says, God was active here and I didn't even know it. Sometimes I think in those dark times when we feel alone and we feel like God is silent and you may doubt, I don't know if God even loves me. And you've seen the cartoon of where you've got a guy talking he's in a tough spot. You've got an angel on one shoulder and you've got the devil on the other. I was taking this uh spiritual counseling class kind of a when I was working on a doctorate and the uh, professor kind of you know they always get you in groups and you got to talk and all that kind of stuff and and the uh, professor said here's what I want you to do Um, what is it that Satan would whisper to you and man you've never heard such foul language coming out of pastors in your life as they talked about the brokenness in their own lives and the pain that they're enduring and the the awful things they're going through and they're saying you know every night i go to bed satan could easily whisper in my ear what a worthless person i am and how you know not worthy be called a christian I've blown it so many times, the things I think, the things I do. And they can go to bed, you know, just broken, forlorn, beaten up. And then I said, what is it that the, uh, you know, that God will say to you? And then you see joy come back in their heart, in their life. They say, God loves me anyway. That God, the God of all grace, has chosen me, and has poured out His grace on me, and it's like David. You know, when David prays in Psalms, he says, "Lord, forgive my sins because they are many." He's not making a deal with God. He's saying, "I am so desperate. My sins are so great." You know, and we're talking about a guy who's been a a murderer and adulterer and who has you know done a lot of bad stuff and. Still, he's the king chosen by God, and God says uh, that he was a man after my own heart. But here's David uh, saying, Lord, forgive my sins because there are many. It's like, I don't have any, any hope anywhere else. It's not like I can make a deal with God. It's not like I can say, okay, God, I'm going to try and be better now. I know I've committed adultery with Bathsheba, but, you know, I'm going I'm to be a little better now. I know I killed her husband, but I'm going to be a little bit better now. No, he's saying, Lord, I have no help, no hope in anyone else. And and these guys would say, you know, I'm like that. And God chooses to love me. He's forgiven my sin. He's given me his Holy Spirit. He has called me a member of the royal priesthood. And I am commissioned to be an agent of the gospel, to go into the world and tell people, how much God loves them. You know, and that's you and me. There ain't the a guy in here who had beat himself up o- over business. The The stupid moves we've made is incredible. And we've gone to bed at night thinking, oh, Lord, how can I look my wife in the eyes because I she has married such an idiot. And those all th- they are all true, by the way. We know that. And yet... Here's God, uh, who says, I love you anyway. I love you in spite of all that. I love you because of all that. Those are great, great things. You see, Jacob gets it wrong again. He says, okay, this is the house of God. Well, no, it's not the house of God. The house of God is not a geographical place. The house of God is a spiritual place. I've, I've known so many people, I mean, everybody in the United States moves to Florida to start over in life. They think their issues are geographical, and they are not. They wake up down there and they find out, you know, I'm still married to that same woman, or I'm still married to that same guy. I'm just as inept in this new business as I was in the other one. My kids aren't any better. In fact, they're more tempted now. Uh, but than they were in Wisconsin I don't know what could be tempting about living in Wisconsin but anyway I, you know why would anybody live there but anyway they do and I'm glad they do so they don't take up room in cool places but uh, but you know Jacob got it wrong because what God is saying is uh, heaven is everywhere God is I mean the gate of heaven is everywhere God is uh, and there's not a place where God is not. That means, uh, why else would we have this great commission we are going to all the world and, and to preach the gospel? Because even in those deep, dark parts of the third world where we would not even want to go, where we're not even safe, uh, God is there. And he's calling those broken people uh, to receive his grace, to know that they are loved to know that they are valued just as you and I are. So, um, (laughs) why does God come back to to Jacob? Jacob doesn't ask. Uh, Jacob is not praying. Uh, Jacob isn't living a good life. Why does God come back to Jacob? Because in the name Yahweh, it speaks to the covenantal relationship that God has with his people you can't drive him away he loves you that much and so even though Jacob gets it wrong I think he gets it wrong here I mean he gets some things right but he gets the big idea wrong and he wants to set up this place as Bethel call it the house of God and uh, it's not the house of God God is far bigger than a rock in Bethel. God is immense. He thinks all thoughts at once. He is not contained by time or space. He lives in eternity present. That is not even a concept that we can understand. But that's how great God is. And so Jacob does. Uh, he has this dream, but what God is saying is, I'm in business, and my angels are coming and going, and my power is going out into the world, and you don't see it, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening. And I love you, and I have pursued you. You don't deserve it, but I choose to love you. And I'm not even going to tell you why. With the same thing that he has told Jacob, he tells you and me. I love you. You can't do anything about it. We've all had children like that. I mean, if you've had teenagers, you've had children like that. At some point, they think that uh, you don't love them or whatever. And uh, (laughs) I just got back from Florida, so I got to see four of my kids. Uh, Yesterday morning, well, I spent Friday night with Christabel, you know, we have a little talk, and we don't always agree on certain things. And so at the end of our breakfast, I I'm, I'm loaded up the car. I said, come here, hon, let me pray for you. And just wrapped her in my arms and prayed that she would know how loved she is and that she would know how precious she is, that I love her that much, but God loves her even more. And my prayer is that she would move through life full well knowing that that she is called by him and loved by him. And she is so important to me and to him. And it was just one of those great times that a father can have with a daughter, just hugging right there, standing by my car and praying for this sweet child who isn't always sweet, who didn't start out yesterday being particularly sweet. But you know what? I love her with all my heart. And she can't do anything about that. I just choose to do it. How much more so then does God love you and me? Because he does it. We can't do anything about it. All we can do is respond. We can't run him off. He will pursue you and he is going to win. You cannot beat him. When you look at the fierceness of the army of God that has the bad guys surrounded, you think you can whip those guys? Not even close. You think you've surprised God by how bad you've been? He's heard it all. He's seen it all. He knew it all when he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you and me. And you know when Jesus is saying or when it said about him I saw the son of man um, and the angels descending upon him it's pointing back to this dream that Jacob had. It didn't happen in Bethel. It happened where Jesus is. So I want you to know don't doubt in the dark what God has showed you in the light. He is working in the dark. He is seeking you. And God came down to earth to seek you and me who were lost. And that gives us work, dignity, hope that ought to help us to shoot out into the world to tell others about, man, you guys won't believe how great God is. But let me tell you, what a great thing that is. Time to land the plane, folks. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's stand now for prayer and for God's blessing. And let us um, Let me pray, and then we'll uh, confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. Lord, will you bless us and show us again your great love and grace. Let us leave this place today how great and wonderful you are and how you have loved us so much. In your son's name we pray. Amen.